Hey there, my name is Ben Ramos, and you are listening to the Rise Church Podcast. We are a church in southeastern Idaho that is dedicated to sound biblical theology, coupled with the authentic power of God. Our true hope is that this podcast would help you to continue to grow and taking steps in your relationship with Jesus. I hope you feel empowered today. I hope you feel encouraged today, and I hope you feel uplifted. God bless you. Enjoy the podcast. Um, today, uh, Dave mentioned that we have a rough morning. No, we were having, it was, we were struggling. You guys ever have days where you struggle? Yeah, I do, I know I do. And I think we're, we're all just human. I know, um, I think we're all messy at times. I'm messy.
tender, this hard, hard, hard heart. And it began to get tender. And before I knew it, I was becoming a Christian. <laughs> and I gave my life to Jesus. And um, worship, God inhabits our praises. You know that? That's in the Bible. God inhabits our praises. And so many wonderful, beautiful things can happen in that place of worship. Um, so I want to start by giving a little bit of background to a verse we've all heard. It's out of John 4, 23 and 24. And you can go ahead and put that slide up if you could, please. Um, it says, I love this translation of it. Your worship must engage your spirit in the spirit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. So, we just kind of experienced that today in worship. Those who are simply and honestly themselves in their worship. Our worship team, you've got these people who got big stuff going on. And yet, and yet, yet they worship. And yet they worship. And um, goes on to say, God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves. Their true selves. It's all about getting real. I am I'm probably one of the most real people you will ever meet. I, I tried I tried to be in drama and I tried to act. And I that was the worst grade I ever got was in drama. And well here's what's really funny is the uh, drama teacher uh, they were doing the uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I was a dwarf. Now, that's funny. That's funny because all these other dwarfs and then me, you know? But he, I remember the teacher, he said, you just can't act. And I can't. Just can't. happen for me. So what you see is what you get. Amen. But um, Jesus was, when he, when he spoke this word, he was speaking to a woman, and we all know her in the Bible as the Samaritan woman. And, but let's take a look about who is the Samaritan woman. We always hear about the woman at the well, but who was she? So let's look at the culture of their time. So number one, she was a woman, a woman and women were property. You know, women... Jesus came and he set women free. Amen. You know, he, he, he set women free. He acknowledged women. He had women at his feet. He didn't toss them aside and treat them as second-class citizens. So here's this Samaritan woman. And not only is she a woman, but she's a Samaritan. And... We today would call the way that she's treated, we would call it racial discrimination because she was discriminated against. It goes back to her, their ancestors, they, 
intermarried. And because of that, the Jews, there was just a big fight amongst them, long story short. And so they began to call Samaritans half-breeds or dogs. So talk about being discriminated against. Um, she eventually, she married. And we don't know what happened, but that marriage fell apart. And then she married again and again and again and again. So why? The Bible doesn't tell us why. What happened to her? There's theories. You know, it could have been that in Bible times, if a woman could not bear children, that was grounds for a divorce. So, but we don't know. But just imagine being someone who's been married five times and whether her husband's died or whether they divorced her, she's had a lot of pain in her life. She's had a lot of hurt. And um, Jesus, when he meets her, by that time, she was living with a man that she was not married to. And anyway, she gets to the well where Jesus was, and Jesus broke all the rules that day because men were not allowed to talk to a woman in public. And he said to her, can you give me some water? And she's like taken aback. She's like, you just talked to me. I'm a woman, let alone not just a woman. I'm a Samaritan. You just talked to me. And uh, let's look at that second slide. Um, the Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, he said, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. And then she said, well, you don't even have a bucket. So how are you going to get this water? And Jesus said, you know, you should be asking me for water because the water that I will give you will cause you to never thirst again. And instead, this water will be like a bubbling stream inside of you and never run out. Um, she begged. She really practically begged him, give me this water. Can I have this water? Where do you get this water? And he said, well, go call your husband. <laughs> and she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, well, you have five husbands. And you're living with a man that you're not married to. Then she has a reaction with him. And before I share what she says, I think, you know, I've heard people teach that the way that she talked to Jesus was her, her way of trying to manipulate him to not pay attention to her messy life. And so she's going get to the, get the subject off of that and on to something else. I think maybe in addition to that, or maybe not in addition, I think out of her hurt, because she's somebody, remember, 
called a dog, a half-breed, somebody who's had five husbands, she snaps at him. And she says, oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshipped at this mountain. But you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? So the Samaritans, they were not allowed to go to the temple where the Jews worshipped. I mean, they were just not allowed there. So they had to set up their own worship, and that was on the mountain where the well was. She, I think, I think she had just, she just right there, she snapped. Do you ever do that? If you have like a trigger, there's something in your life, and you just snap, or you get mad. Yeah, because I'm yeah, because we're all messy, right? Of course. Yeah. Yep. So um, Jesus says to her. Next slide. Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor in Jerusalem. But the time is coming, in fact, it's come, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. When he said, um, when what you're called, and that would have been a half-breed. Um, or where you go to worship, that would have been the hill that they were on, the mountain where the well was. And then Jesus went on to say, your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. See what he was doing here with her? He was giving her permission to be herself. He was giving her permission to be real. Don't you love that? All that pressure off. I hate that. I absolutely hate it when I feel this pressure that I have to be something that I'm not. And there, he's giving her permission. I love you just the way you are. Amen. And he goes on to say, those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. He was speaking to her of the heart. He was speaking to her where, you know, it's um, like when you're growing up and you're in Sunday school and uh, they say, have you asked Jesus in your heart? And in a kid's mind, they're trying to figure out, well, how do you do that? <laughs> so how do, how do you get this big guy to fit in there? And he was speaking of the heart. Jesus came to do away with the, the temple, to do away with that discrimination where not everybody was allowed. He came to say, I want a place in your heart. I want a place. Amen. Um, so many years ago, I won't say how many, because, well, that would, that would scare you to death. But um, there was this beautiful song 
Um, it was called The Resting Place. And I'm just going to read the lyric. You can put that up. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? Whom of you will hear the cry of my heart, and where will my resting place be? Here, O Lord, have I prepared for you a home. Here, O Lord, have I prepared a resting place. Here, O Lord, I wait for you alone. No, that's, that's what God is calling each of us to, is to just say, hey, just live here. Just dwell. I want to make a place for you, Lord. You know, worship, we think sometimes, wow, you know, I still have time, I don't have time, I've got a busy schedule, I don't have time to worship. Really, you know, what God is after is just that two minutes from the heart. If that's, if that's the time that you have where you say, here. Um, I'm going to skip over some of this because I'm looking at the time. I want to really quickly just kind of go into a little bit about biblical worship. And um, we do it kind of different here at RISE than so many other churches. Um, what we do here is we have, well, me, I, I, I do a schedule. I put the teams together this meeting. Um, I have prayed very deeply about whoever is actually leading the service. And because I wouldn't just let anybody, you know, just really pray about it. But, um, so we have actually six different people who pray. They seek the Lord. They seek his heart. A couple weeks before about the songs that they're supposed to do, six different people, we try to keep the spotlight off of one person. And that's a healthy, healthy thing. That's a really healthy thing because that's the body of Christ. Like I said, I'm skipping over here because I don't want to be too late. But here, we are all about, when we're in corporate worship, making him a resting place, giving him a place, hosting his presence. That's what we're all about here. And you know that if you think about the musicians in the temples and the tabernacles in the Bible, um, I'm skipping way down. So could you go to slide 11? So, okay, that's a, a picture, obviously modern day, of a, of a Jewish temple. And you've got the courtyard, and that's where you see all those heads. And then inside that building is where the altar and Holy of Holies is. And so, yep, right there too. So, like if you see, you know, the court of women, the women before Jesus were not allowed to go any further than that. But praise God, Jesus took that away. 
<laughs> and women are equal in the eyes of God, period. But you imagine the musicians, and look at that crowd of people. There were not microphones, there was not sound equipment, there was not spotlights. They couldn't see, they had no idea who was leading. Think about that. There, that person was out of sight. Can you pull up the orchestra one? So this is kind of what we are here at RISE, the musicians. This is our heart. And I can honestly say that every single person on this team has that heart. Um, the ones who don't probably wouldn't fit very well because we're all about being the people that are in the orchestra pit. And that what everybody sees is what's going on on the stage. And that's Jesus. Amen. Amen. That, and, and that is what biblical worship would have been like. If there was, yes, there were chief musicians, three of them. But the only people that would have really seen them was just the people right around them. And, and you know, um, the other thing, you know, musicians, like I said at the very first, we are a target for the enemy. We are a target. And so if you put somebody up in front of people who's receiving all these accolades and all this you know, oh, I like you so much better than so-and-so when they leave. That sets us up hmm. to just get hit. This is safer for our musicians to be in the orchestra pit. Does that make sense? Amen. Does that make sense? Um, you know, I do want to show, um, put up slide 13. Um, in the time of David, David, David pitched a tent after the Ark of the Covenant had been returned to Jerusalem. Uh, David pitched a tent. He pitched a tent. And um, do you see how there was just this one structure, and all that's in it is the Ark of the Covenant, and there's a door. And Everybody was welcome there. There was not one person who was left out. That was prophetic. That was a very prophetic thing. That, that was prophetic of what Jesus was coming to do, which was to give every single person access to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Yes. And that's so beautiful. You know, um, a couple of years ago, uh, you guys know Dave and Hansen. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you know, he is just a phenomenal artist. He's really, his art is really beautiful. And he's a modern artist. And uh, he was here in worship one Sunday. And um, he drew a picture. And... When he explained it, it was all about the, that is a picture to him. That was his heart, his interpretation of the presence of God. Wow. 
And I know you guys, you look at it and you don't know that at first, but if you know his heart, that was the cloud. And so what's cloud? Okay, the cloud. Let me just read you this one verse. Um, this was, um, this verse happens at the dedication of Solomon's temple. And um, it's 2 Chronicles 5, 11 through 14. And all the Levites who were musicians were there, Asaph, He-Man, and Jebuthun. I hear the word He-Man. You remember that? He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard for me to get over that. I, mean, that, I don't know, but anyway. Okay. So, um, and their families were dressed in their worship robes, the choir and orchestra assembled on the east side of the altar and were joined by 120 priests blowing trumpets. The choir and trumpets made one voice of praise and thanks to God. Think about that, one voice. It's like an orchestra. If you hear an orchestra, you immediately go, that's an orchestra. You don't go, oh, that's Lori, Cindy, Dave, you know, that's one voice of praise and thanks to God. The orchestra and choir in perfect harmony, singing and playing praise to God. Yes, God is good. His loyal love goes on forever. Then the billowing cloud filled the temple of God. The priest couldn't even carry out their duties because of the cloud. And in other translations, it says, the priest couldn't even stand, which means they fell flat under wow. the presence of God. The priests couldn't carry out their duties because of the cloud, the glory of God, that filled the temple of God. And so that picture, you want to put that back up? That's what David saw, and it was in the midst of worship. And then, I'm going to put up the next slide. This is um, from his journal. This is what he wrote about that, the day that he drew that. The cloud of your glorious presence comes from within, moving below and above and about. Your spirit consumes permeates, transforms with peace, healing, and power. Bring your cloud. Wow. Bring your cloud. There was a time when this worship team that I was with for a lot, 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 years. And we took... Uh, worship to the streets and we would be like in community things that were happening so like um, there were concerts in Freeman Park or um, the art festival and something was going on down at the river and we were at so do you know where um, Copper Rill is and Mama Flaws and there's an area there that's like a grassy area. And we were set up there. And what we would do is we would we would learn songs that were 
occurred for the time. So just to age this a little, like one was, hey, Macarena. I guess. <laughs> you remember that one? <laughs> yes, we remember. <laughs> and um, we would get those like really tight, really, we'd do a really good job on them as good as we could. Um, we did like U2, um, where the streets have no name. Oh, or wow. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, just current songs of the time. And, um, and then we would move into worship and into what we call prophetic worship. And that's where we really, nobody really knows what's going on. We just follow the Lord. And we're, so we're worshiping, and this family comes up, and they had a whole bunch of kids. And um, they had a son who was, it was obvious he was mentally handicapped. He had to be helped. Uh, you know, the family had to help him walk, and he was obviously not able to speak, um, so he was nonverbal, because his family was signing to him, but he could hear. And um, as he listened to the music, he got to tears start to come down his eyes. And before you know it, he steps out in front of the crowd, and he begins to dance. What? And he lifts his arms oh and he begins God. to dance. And then he kneels. And he gets back up and he dances. His mom, being a mom, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she's so embarrassed. <laughs> and then there was a person that was with us. And they said, oh, no, it's okay. Just let him. That was the presence of God. That he was, he was responding to, and he didn't have a mind to keep him, to make him think logically, you know, to, to make him think, oh, I shouldn't go out and dance in front of these people. He was just responding to the presence of God. And it's here. It's here first where we build a place for his presence. This is what the Lord says. This is out of Isaiah 66. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you would build for me? When is the last time that we've asked ourselves, when have I really made room for you, Lord? When have I completely set myself aside and said, here, well, where will my resting place be? But there's something I'm looking for. A person, simple and plain, like the little hand, the handicapped boy. Reverently responsive to what I say. You know, God wants to dwell with us. You know, He wants to have conversations with us. He wants that heart to heart. He wants 
Sometimes condemnation, we condemn ourselves. I can't go before God because, oh boy, I told a lie yesterday. Or those things. All those little things. In the Song of Solomon, they're called little foxes. Little foxes that just come and nip at our heels and, and, and try to keep us from that simple, simple faith. You know, God wants his presence to rest here at rise. God wants his presence to rest in our hearts. Amen. I'm sorry about the tears, but I get teary, and I don't like Hallmark movies. <laughs> I just don't. But, um, so, you know, we're going to end with a song with Dave and Cindy, if you guys want to come. And, you know, this is all about being real with him. And so if it's real, if being your true self is to sit, always sing this song, let's sit. If being your true self is to kneel, then kneel. Being your true self is to stand and stand, but be you. Because there's a lyric in this song, and it says, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. It's a way of just saying yes. So we're just gonna we're gonna close with the song, and I just invite you to say, "Hey, hey, make room, Lord, make room. You're you're here." Hey, thanks again for tuning in with us today. I really do hope and pray that this message has been transformative in your life to help you to take steps in relationship with Jesus. If this has been a blessing to you, there are several things you could do in order to give honor where honor is due. Uh, we would love if you would give us a like, go ahead and give us a subscribe, go ahead and share us, tag us, uh, quote us, do all of those things in your social media feeds. We would be so blessed by that. If you have any more questions or need any more information about who we are, what we believe, or if you'd like to give towards the forwarding of ministry here through Rise Church, you can do so at www.risechurchid.org. God bless. Have a great week.